0: Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We come to you from bellyupsports.com. He is not Alan Denton, he is Zane Chapelier. I am Thomas Black, and we're here with you for a week five ATS pick and pod. So, a new face, a new voice to the show. Zane, welcome in. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm thankful to you and Alan for letting me uh, help out and fill in when he can't make it. Absolutely.
0: Looking forward to it. I know that a few people out there have been used to seeing your picks come through on emails each and every week of the season. As we're now headed into the fifth week of the season, you've been around for a little while, so people are starting to recognize your name. You're up on the leaderboard in the standings. People are just getting familiar with your picks in writing form as of right now, but now you get the opportunity to appear on the show. We've had a fun time having you involved with things, and we're looking forward to having you more involved as we go further into the 2023
1: season, man. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a really enjoyable experience. I get to talk ball. I get to talk to you. I'm excited to be involved moving forward. It's a really exciting time for me.
0: Well, we are glad to have you. Now, as we continue, let's go ahead and do as we do each and every week. Let's look at the standings in our ATS Pick'Em where we have a leaderboard topped by Tonio, who's in first place with 26 wins on the season. He leads the pack for $175. And second is Doug, who has 25 wins and is in the lead for $75. And in third place is our team captain, Regina who has 25 wins and is by tiebreaker in the third place slot and is in the lead for $25. Plus each of them is in line for a blackout t-shirt. So Zane, we have some cool things going. I haven't really talked to you about this before extensively but we do have some pretty cool prizes available and we see these things grow more and more over time with the more and more patreon subscribers we get so we have a cool thing running i think we're going to develop into something big but each of these people up at the top of the leaderboard has been tremendous here early in the beginning of the season to have a spot inside the top three
1: absolutely i mean i'm looking at the leaderboard myself and putting some solid, solid weeks back to back to back. That's really impressive. Very competitive too. It looks like it's a close race all the way through 13th place.
0: Yeah, very much so. As I mentioned last week, Each of our top three people last week had all finished above 500 in each of the first three weeks. Now we can say that Regina is the only person who is now above 500 on each of the first four weeks. So just something else to take note of. Very impressive picking. That, of course, will not last all season, but a (laughs) tremendous, tremendous start for those folks up at the top of the leaderboard. So, Zane, as we continue on, let's go ahead and look at our... Records from a week ago, you had a very strong finish against the spread, going seven and three. You were able to bump up into the top fifteen with your result. You're in fifteenth in the standings right now, from twenty-first a week ago, and you're over five hundred now, sitting at twenty-one and nineteen against the spread on the season. You're five picks off the lead. How are you feeling looking back at week four, and then also on your overall standing in the leaderboard right now?
1: Well, I'm really happy with my picks and the turnout going seven and three back to back weeks, but I feel like I let the people down. Both my locks actually missed last week. They were both really close. I had BYU at plus nine and a half, all dependent on Slovis not turning the ball over because he went into that week with just one interception. Of course, he threw one. One was a pick six and they had Kansas also had a scoop and score and they won by 11. So that one hurt. And I also missed out on Ohio State at minus three and a half. Of course, they win by three. So both my locks missed, but still came in with a seven and three overall record and uh, recovering from a pretty bad first two weeks of the competition.
0: Well, you have recovered very nicely because you've now won seven games in each of the last two weeks, like I said, to get you above 500. So you've had a really, really nice run going 14 and six your last two weeks. And even though you missed on your locks, like you said, closely last week, That means you went 7-1 and outside of your locks. So a tremendous week picking. Whichever way you look at it, you just, of course, wish the locks came out in your favor. But I'll even give you a little bit of credit because when we look at the confidence value picks that we give out for the Confidence Pick'em Pod, last week via email, you sent out a confidence value pick with a high value pick in favor of the Florida State Seminoles. And when we had a line on the ATS Pick'em on CBS at Florida State minus 2.5, Anybody with any logic behind them, knowing that most games end by three points or more, if they had followed your guidance there, they would have picked up another ATS win there. So even though that wasn't an ATS lock, you did in fact give another result that indicated you would be going with Florida State on the ATS side. So to your credit, not an altogether terrible week, especially considering the fact that you did go 7-3 and three in the ATS pick
1: Yeah, I'm really happy with it. And Like I said, it's good to recover and start putting together some uh, reliable picks after the first two weeks there.
0: No doubt about it. Now, for my slate, I went six and four, a solid week, but not quite to the level of Zanes. I dropped to seventh place in the standings. I'm totally fine with that. I was in fifth a week ago. A couple of people bypassed me with some better weeks, but I had a solid week again. I'm now 24-16 and overall against the spread on the season, hitting at 60%. And now the big part for me is I was several games back last week. Now I'm only two games off the lead, so I gained ground overall even though some people passed me because we've got a big cluster of people up at the top only separated by a single pick. And when you look back at my ATS locks a week ago, Mine hit big time. I was half of a lock party win with North Carolina minus seven and a half points with Alan Denton, as we recorded here on the show. That makes us two and oh on our lock parties on the season. And it means that when I'm talking about me and Alan, we've hit seven of our last eight lock parties for a seven and five record overall. And then I also hit on Texas A&M minus seven and a half points against Auburn. I really talked about how I didn't like the offensive prospects of either Auburn or Pittsburgh having success against either one of those teams. Pittsburgh was more successful than I thought they would be. But at the same time, I had enough clearance on both of those quite easily. My confidence value picks did not go as well. Showing some favor towards Oregon State and UCLA, so you might have taken some L's there if you took my advice on those games. But I was very happy to lay out a couple of ATS locks for the wins there. And when we look back at Allen's week, he went six and four as well. He's in 19th place. He was a week ago as well. He's now over 500. His mark is 20 and 19 again because he failed to have a pick in one of our weeks. He's six games off the lead. He was the other half of the ATS lock party with North Carolina minus seven and a half. And he took Missouri minus six and a half points, getting the win there as they won by seven points over Memphis. So Zane, as we look at this thing, really overall between the three of us, still a pretty successful week as we look at the ATS pick And certainly another one where we can look to climb the leaderboard as we
1: head into what I think is a pretty difficult week here as we go into week five. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of close matchups. And some that you could pick upsets, a little hard to choose. Definitely uh, the spreads, but the confidence values are going to be really interesting in the next episode. I'm not quite sure how people will end up selecting on those.
0: Very, very true. And Zane, because you walked away with seven wins a week ago, the better record between the two of us. Why don't you go ahead and take us away with your first ATS lock here in week five?
1: Gladly. So my first ATS lock is actually going to be Notre Dame at Duke. Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite and Duke, although they are starting off 4 and0 and they've been lighting it up offensively, their lowest point total thus far was 28 points against Clemson, which at the time that 28 7 win was pretty significant in hindsight with how Clemson's been playing, not so much. And Notre Dame's strength of schedule wasn't very impressive either all the way up until last week with the Ohio State game. However, in that game, Sam Hartman and the Notre Dame offense showed that they are legitimate. They put up 351 yards, had 22 first downs, 35 minutes of possession. And that was against Ohio State's defense, which right now, according to PFF, is tied for the third best defense in the FBS with Michigan. They have four incredible running backs. That rotation is killer. It allows their running backs to stay fresh. Their offensive line can grind down defenses. They control the clock. And that is a huge advantage in today's game with the new running clock rule. It is a very, very big advantage for the fighting Irish. Along with that, the biggest advantage is Sam Hartman himself. He is an X factor. He's thrown for 1,200 yards this year, 70% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, and the biggest one of all, no interceptions. And I see them employing a similar strategy that they did against the Buckeyes where they really went after Davidson Igbenosin, the cornerback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And Duke has a little bit of a liability out there at corner. Al Blades Jr., transferred in from Miami not really having the best year I see Notre Dame slinging the ball all over the Duke Blue Devils and easily covering that five and a half point spread well Zane
0: you walk in here and you give out your first ATS lock and when you talk about Notre Dame going to Duke there are not a lot of spreads that I looked at this week that I had a real direct inclination where i was going to go but this is one of them and you and sir and i may as well party while we sit here in our first week together on the blackout
1: well let's party
0: (laughs) it is a lock party and as we've documented here on the show Alan and I, in recent weeks, we have gone 2-0 in our ATS lock parties the last two weeks. We had Syracuse minus 2.5 points. That was a winner. We had North Carolina minus 7.5 points. That was a winner this past week. We may as well make it three weeks in a row because I'm on the same side. I've got Notre Dame as a lock, minus 5.5 points at Duke. When I look at what Duke has done... Sure, winning against Clemson was pretty impressive, like you said, 28 to 7. But when you look at that game statistically, they were outgained by nearly 50 yards especially in the running game they gave up 114 yards on 6.7 yards per carry to Will Shipley Phil Maffa was also involved running for 65 yards at 5.7 yards a clip and when you look at what Audrick Estime has done with Notre Dame like you mentioned behind that offensive line that he has he's run for nearly 600 yards for 7.7 yards a carry so with a Duke defense that hasn't been bad but has been susceptible to the run that we've seen already this season against Clemson, I think that there is a tremendous amount of success that Notre Dame is going to have success with the ground game. You talked about Sam Hartman. I like his balanced group of wide receivers and tight ends. I think there are any number of reasons to believe that Notre Dame can win this game by seven points or more. So when it's a five and a half point spread, I love taking Notre Dame in this matchup. I like Riley Leonard at quarterback for Duke. I like some of their pieces, but I just don't think he has enough weapons around him to really put Notre Dame in danger. So when they are able to contain an offense like Ohio State and all the wide receivers they have, I certainly think Notre Dame can have some success against a Duke team that is more limited with the weapons they have. So absolutely lock it up, make it a lock party, take Notre Dame minus five and a half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That running back rotation for Notre Dame is killer. And like you said, it's nothing against Duke. Duke is a good football team. They really haven't been challenged other than the Clemson game. So it'll be interesting to see how they play Notre Dame, but I don't think they'll be able to hold Notre Dame within a touchdown.
0: I would love it if it happens just for the people to know out there. Zane and I actually have had one lock party so far this season. That came in our email chain that we sent out to our team captains, and that was earlier this year on Utah minus 7.5 points against Baylor. Now, we were both wrong on that one, so Zane and I are (laughs) 0-1 in our lock party record, in our history. But if you remember what we've talked about here on the show, Alan and I started off with a poor record. Last year, we started over 0 for 4. Again, we've hit seven of our last eight since then. So we've had a good streak going. We've hit lock parties in each of the last two weeks. Zane, I hope we make it three weeks in a row here on the show. It would certainly be a great way to start off your time here on the podcast as well.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think a successful lock party would be a great way to start off this, or at least my involvement on the podcast.
0: (laughs) I love it. Zane, why don't you go ahead and take us away with your second ATS lock of the week here on The Blackout?
1: How about we take it down to the bluegrass? Lexington, Kentucky, Florida, UK. I got Florida at plus three and a half. Kentucky, actually the favorites at home. But I'm not that impressed with UK looking at their strength of schedule, the best team that they've played thus far. The only power five team they've played thus far Vanderbilt 45, 28 win last week against Vandy. This is going to be a battle of two completely different offenses. One that is big in the short game passing methodical, just march downfield. And one that's a little bit more high risk, high reward Kentucky, They like to drive the ball down the field and it kind of shows in Leary's stats. He's thrown five interceptions already this year. He has just nine touchdowns. And again, that's against not the best strength of schedule. According to PFF, their strength of schedule is 125th out of 130. So to have a touchdown to interception ratio of nine to five, doesn't give you the most confidence in UK to be able to pass against Florida. However, both teams have been great against the run. So the battle in the trenches is going to be a very interesting one to watch. And Kentucky does have two very talented cornerbacks in Max Harrison and Andrew Phillips. So the matchup between Eugene Wilson III and the viral sensation Ricky Pearsall with that insane one-handed grab last week is going to be a fun one to watch. I have Graham Mertz and the Florida Gators taking this one, not only covering the three-and-a-half-point spread, but I think they also win the ballgame.
0: I think it's fair. I mean, I think that we are looking at a game that is going to be very, very competitive, and I think two teams that are better defensively than they are offensively, and I think that's going to make for a very low-scoring game. And one thing that I'll point out is that Trey Wilson is actually kind of questionable for this game. He was banged up within the last couple of weeks, and I believe sat out last week. But I think the expectation is that it was going to be a short-term type injury. So I kind of think he is going to be back in this game. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there just as an in-case. But I think, as you mentioned his name, I think he's going to be playing in this one. But when I look at this game, I think that we're going to have a low-scoring defensive battle. And this one wasn't a lock for me. I like a couple of picks definitely more than this one, but I do believe that when you're talking about, I think, a low-scoring defensive battle and you're able to pick up more than a field goal with the underdog, I think that's the side to go with because I think this could be low-scoring. I think it could go either way. So I like the Florida Gators plus the 3.5 points as well. It's what I've got on my pick slate, and I will have it going into Saturday too. So, you know, have we learned a ton about Kentucky? I don't think so. I think they do have a passing game that could give Florida a possibility Possibly some problems, but it'll be interesting to see. But either way, I think it is a tight game. And I think with that, I think the advisable side is going with Florida
1: plus the three and a half points. Yeah. The biggest question mark for Florida is being able to finish the drives. You look at their game last week against Charlotte. Obviously, it's a team they should beat. They did beat them, but they had to settle for five field goals. That's obviously a concern. If they convert those field goals to touchdowns, they don't have any problems. That is just one point of emphasis that we'll have to keep an eye on, and at least for my sake, I hope they do resolve it going into this week. (laughs) Well, I've noticed the same thing, and I didn't elaborate a
0: ton on my thoughts on this matchup because I'm going to have some thoughts coming on this one in the confidence pickup pod coming up next. So again, both of us with Florida plus the three and a half points, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes down. For my second ATS lock of the week, I am looking at the Clemson Tigers at the Syracuse Orange. And Zane, I am hoping for some culture to really back me up in this game because there are all kinds of motivation problems with a Clemson Tigers team that is two and two and is 0-2 in the ACC after their tight overtime loss to Florida State this past week. So you look at a Syracuse team that is 4-0, but they've beaten the likes of Colgate and Western Michigan and Purdue on the road and Army. And I don't think they've really played anybody that good. In fact, with the Army game, they trailed 10-3 at halftime before they got things in order in the second half, pulling away for the win by a couple of scores. And when you look at the game at Purdue, Allen and I locked up Syracuse minus 2.5 points. It was a lock party. We got the win. They won by 15 points. But they gave up over 400 yards to Purdue, They benefited from some turnovers and some failed fourth down conversion attempts by Purdue. So really, I think that game was closer than the score indicated. And when you look at the Clemson Tigers, I think they're absolutely more talented than Syracuse. I think they generally put forth a lot of effort, and that's where I'm saying I need culture to back me up because Dabo preaches all the time, play to a nameless, faceless opponent play to your level, and best is the standard. And we certainly haven't seen Clemson play to their typical best standard of the last five, six years. But if they can rebound and play to what the standard of this team is, which I think can be good, I think they can walk into Syracuse and get a win. I mentioned the yards allowed against Purdue because I think when you look at Clemson, this is a team that should be able to have success in this game. They shut down Florida State's rushing attack for only 22 yards a week ago, so I think they should be able to do the same there. And when you look at the players that Florida State has on the offensive side of the ball, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman at wide receiver, Johnny Wilson at wide receiver, I think that trio in the passing game is far better than what Garrett Schrader has plus his wide receivers. So I think Clemson's defense should have a pretty good day against Syracuse. And then you look at Cade Klubnick, the running backs Will Shipley and Phil Maffa who have been pretty good this season. I think they should be able to have a good ground attack, and I like the weapons at wide receiver. Bo Collins, Tyler Brown, Antonio Williams, if he's back from injury this week after missing the game against Florida State, tied in Jake Brenningstool. I like these weapons a good bit more, and I'm hoping that Dabo backs me up with some culture being preached to this team as they move into Saturday. If they respond and play hard, I think Clemson's absolutely better than Syracuse, and I love locking up the Clemson Tigers minus six and a half this week.
1: Well, it's a good thing I didn't have this game in my lock because it would have been a block. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Clemson's defense is solid, and they are obviously more talented and have the better skill positions. My concern comes with the offensive line against Syracuse's defensive line. Syracuse has already sacked opponent QBs 13 times this season. Clemson's already allowed seven sacks, and Clubnick, has shown that he doesn't really perform the best when he's pressured. Of the 49 pass attempts where he's been under pressure, he's only completed 19, and two of them were picks. So that's my kind of point of emphasis. Obviously, Clemson can overcome it, but that defensive line, offensive line matchup is going to be very, very interesting and key for Clemson to be able to pull off that six-and-a-half-point spread.
0: Fair enough. So a pick on the show for Clemson minus six and a half, a pick on the show for Syracuse plus six and a half points. Zane, anything else you want to touch on with the ATS side before we move on over to a confidence pick and pod next?
1: No, hopefully my good graces continue on the, the ATS side and I can continue to climb that leaderboard and catch Regina and company. Cause it looks like that will be a challenge.
0: Well, it can be a challenge, but from, an experience that I have last year if you roll together your three and four weeks of really solid picks, you are absolutely going to climb the leaderboard because it's hard to continually put those weeks together. It's like we've seen up at the top, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of strong weeks so far this season, but I think at some point that's coming to an end. And when you've put together yourself, back-to-back weeks with seven wins. There aren't many people that do that in consecutive weeks, so you're already off to a good start, and you've just got to keep on negating some of those early weeks that you had. So I believe in you, man, but it'll take a couple more good runs from you. But with some consistency, you know, hitting either 500 or above 500 a few more weeks in a row, I think you'll absolutely
1: climb a good bit more on the leaderboard. Well, I appreciate the confidence. I think I can get there too. We just got to wait and see, though. All right. Another note for everybody who normally turns
0: into the podcast is Alan Denton is going to be back on the show next week, heading into week six, as we look at another college football pick'em slate with ATS locks with confidence value picks coming up on our next episode, like Zane is going to do here with me in just a minute. But if you would like to get Zane's picks going forward, you're going to need to be able to receive those via email. We send those out, both his confidence value picks and his ATS locks to our team captains on the email that goes out on a weekly basis with all our picks from the show, Alan, myself, and Zane. And when Zane's clicking, when I'm clicking, when Alan's clicking, we have some really good results. Now, we don't always hit but you get the opportunity to see your three different voices. You get to see three different sets of ideas on what's going to go down in these games. Zane, I think it's a huge advantage. And like I've talked about with Alan, if we tend to get to the top of the leaderboard right now, I'm right up there and you and Alan have been climbing. But if we're up there toward the end of the season, you get unique perspective on being able to combat what we do with our picks because we lock these in and it gives you the opportunity to either mimic what we do or go against us with a chance to pass us or something like that. So Zane, there's a lot of of different ways you can use the content that we put out here. It's a blast to do, but another
1: reason why people should subscribe over on Patreon. That gives you a big advantage coming to the end of the season and allows for a lot of strategy in your picks to try to get to those prizes.
0: Definitely the case, and if you go ahead and subscribe over on Patreon, not only will you get the rewards, but we will turn the cash into the pot for bigger and bigger prizes next season. Zane, looking forward to recording another episode here with you shortly. Can't wait to get over to the confidence side and talk things over there, but good luck on your ATS picks going into week five. Cannot wait to see what the results are on the Weeder board, and thank you for your time this week
1: here on the show absolutely thank you and best of luck to you and alan and i just appreciate you guys having me on and being able to contribute
0: thank you for listening to this belly up sports podcast network product some said we go belly up so we made it our name and we're still here